the reason I chose this sermon this morning is, you know, just a feeling that our society is upside down. And um, I want to speak to that. Maybe you turn me down a little bit. Who are you, a man? This comes from a, a conversation I had several years ago with a, a person who was at one point a very high-ranking political figure in Florida. And he's a patient of mine, and you, you all may know I, I have a stack of sermons. And usually after I get to know the person a little bit, maybe operate on them, give them their vision back, <clears throat> gain their trust, and hopefully they start to like me. Uh, if they don't like me, I probably don't give them a CD. But if they do, I do. And I had given him, he and I go back. And uh, he, he, he came back and he said, I, I listened to your CD and I want to talk to you about it. And I said, oh, what do, you, what do you want to talk about? He said, no, I want to have lunch. So we had lunch. And uh, he, he said, uh, I don't like the God of Christianity um, because of hell. He sends good people like Muslims to hell. And my God isn't like that. And so this, this sermon is a response somewhat to, to his thinking, which is um, common. I don't want to pick on him. I think I've given him the CD. I've preached this sermon before. I've given it to him. I don't, know if he, I don't know if he recognized himself in it or not. But a lot of people like this. They, 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 they got their own God. They, they think they can make their own God. They think, my God isn't like that. And this is upside down. Um, it reminds me of Mr. Potato Head God. Remember Mr. Potato Head? I don't know if they have Mr. Potato Head anymore. You guys know about it? Uh, anyhow, you got a potato, and then you got these mustaches and hair and noses and ears, and by uh, putting whatever, you could, you could create your own potato head. Well, God isn't like that. You don't get to create your own God. You can, but it's called an idol, and it's not the living God, the real God. Um, actually, go back. We're ahead of ourselves. Um, don't get to have your own little private God of your own choosing. So the, the idea that the universe just is and that what gives structure to it and rationality to it and order to it is the human mind. Because if there is no other mind out there, the human mind is, you know, like the first one on the scene. And so the human mind creates uh, this reality. This is how the postmoderns think, is how many in our society think. Uh, now, it ignores the fact that order, mathematics, information just amazing information and rationality are built into the very fabric of this universe. And, you know, my tendency is to go off on that, but you'll have to come to the Sunday school or we'll do it some other time. So, because there's no God out there, the postmodern gets to organize her own reality and create her own God. And I asked an agnostic patient one time where the laws of logic come from. 
which I consider to be, you know, immaterial, absolute, universal. And she said, well, they're human constructs. Yeah, laws of logic. So, let's hold this idea of creating your own reality up to some scrutiny. Do you really get to create your own reality? I guess I can flip it. Can I flip it? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, who are you, oh man? Did you choose uh, to be born? Did you choose your parents? You say, no, I wouldn't have chosen those parents. Um, Did you choose the color of your skin? Did you choose uh, where you were born? Did you choose the country, the planet, the galaxy, the universe where you were born? Did you choose your size, your intelligence, your gender? Then what makes you think you can choose your own God? So this this, this morning, this is a reality check. People are just, reality is slapping them in the face. And they are not they are not realizing it and recognizing it. So we, we've got to just come to grips with the reality. The reality is, I didn't choose any of this. I don't get to choose my God. I'm just a little guy in this big universe. So does it matter? Does it matter if you like? the laws of math? Or does it matter if you like the laws of logic? Does it matter if you like the law of gravity? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Uh, Do you control the laws of math? You say, well, I don't like 2 plus 2 equals 4. My math isn't like that. Mine is 2 plus 2 equals 5. We'll build a bridge using that kind of math and see how it works for you. But that's what people are saying. But then they're not saying about math. They're saying about God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So if you don't control the laws of logic or the law of gravity, what makes you think you can choose and create your own God or your own morality or your own, rea- or your own reality? You don't tell God what He's like. He tells you who He is, hopefully. You don't create Him. He created you. You do not judge Him. I'm not going to follow Him because I don't like what He does. You don't judge Him. He judges you. He does not have to give an account to you. You have to give an account to Him. He does not exist to serve you. This may come as a shock. You know, you're not the center of the universe. He doesn't exist to serve you. You exist to serve and to worship Him. If you don't like the law of gravity, you may disrespect it if you wish, but you do so at your own peril. You stand on the top of a building. You can self-identify. It's a big word nowadays. I'm going to self-identify as a bird. And then you can jump off that building, and guess what? Reality will smack you in the face. 
See, this self-identify thing, I don't know where to get in this. Uh, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner, or whatever you want to call her, or him. You know, he has a Y chromosome in every single one of his cells. He's, he is a man. I don't care what he does to himself. He, he, just because he self-identifies, he's not dealing with reality. Anyhow, uh, you don't get to create your own reality. You have to relate and accommodate to the reality that really is. That's the point of the sermon. If you refuse to follow God because you don't like the way he does things, you can do so. But you do so at your own, own peril because he's real. He's not, God is not a buffet. You, know, you don't get to pick what you like or don't like based on personal preference. He is what he is. You know, they all like to say it is what it is. He is what he is. There is no other. And that idea is echoed in Scripture. A lot of what I'm saying. You could almost read after this, you could read Isaiah 40 to the end. I mean, that is what God is saying in those Scriptures. Isaiah 42, 17. They are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols who say to metal images, You are our gods. They got potato head gods. Hear you, deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. We need to perceive reality. The Bible says hear, hearing and uses hearing and seeing over and over again. We need to hear and we need to see. We need to perceive reality. Uh, he says, hear and look, uh, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind? Then he says, who is blind but my servant? My servant. Uh, God's servants, we, Christians, can still be guilty of this stuff. Or deaf is my messenger whom I sent, who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as a servant of the Lord. He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The God of the Bible, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, of Jacob, of David, of Jesus, uh, the living God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the only God who really is, who identified himself to Moses as I am that I am. He is the reality with whom you must deal. You will not deal with a figment of your own imagination. My, my friend needs to deal with reality. We all do. You must deal with the one who lives outside of space and time and matter and created them. The one who dwells in the everlasting present, the one who simply is the self-existent one, the only one who is not dependent on anyone else for his, his existence. You are dependent on him for your existence. Who, who, aren't we all aware of this? I mean, I am so deeply aware of my dependence on God for everything. Uh, he is because he is. You are because he is. Your existence results from his existence, not the other way around. God owes you nothing. You owe him everything. He is not a candidate. We're in the candidate. We're in the voting deal right now. He's not a candidate. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He doesn't need your vote. You need his vote. You live in his universe. You breathe 
his heir. He knits you together in your mother's womb. You can use your brain that he's given you, the mouth that he's given you, the vocal cords that he's given you, the air that, that you breathe, and you can use these things to snub him. But I don't recommend it. I'm talking to you guys, the people of God, but this, you know, I'm talking to my friend, you understand? And I'm talking to us. So in Isaiah 29:16, he says, you turn things upside down. That's where I got upside down from. God actually says that. You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That's the point of it. When you play Mr. Potato Head with God, you're turning things upside down, and you got it all mixed up. You're the clay. He's the potter. That the thing should, should say, made, the thing made should say to its maker, he did not make me. People try to deny their creator, deny their clay. And we're, we're not just a, yeah, we're a clay pot designed for purpose, for a purpose, by an intelligence. You can try to deny it, but it doesn't take away its truth. Or the thing formed, say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Yeah, he's impersonal. He's just a force. He's a blind force. He has no understanding. Does that sound familiar? Um, does it? Some try to say that we are the result of impersonal, irrational forces. Does it make sense that rationality would come out of irrationality? Does that make sense to you? Does it make sense that... Does it make sense that order would come out of chaos? It doesn't work in my closet. Does it work in your closet? Order just comes out of chaos. My cords, I swear I put these cords away so neatly, and when I get them out, they're knotted. Does order come out of chaos for you? It doesn't work for me. It doesn't make sense. Does uh, intelligence come out of non-intelligence? Does meaningful, effective information, I'm thinking of DNA, come out of chance? Does personality come out of the impersonal? Does life come out of non-life? Does beauty come out of chance? Uh Uh-uh. No. Isaiah 45. I am the Lord. Yahuwah, as you know. And there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. There are no potato heads, God. You can't make your own. I'm God. I'm the only one. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. An earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth, a clay pot, easily broken, pretty big mouth sometimes, speck of arrogant dust in the vast universe, quarreling with the one who made him. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands. I ordained all their hosts. 
Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's saying, before everything else, I was and I will be into the future. He has always existed, but the earth is created. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. A thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. We're, we're grass. I mean, uh, yeah, it flourishes uh, in the evening. You know, it withers and fades. I can feel it happening in my own body. You know, it's getting to be winter over here. And uh, we're like grass. We're here today, gone tomorrow. But he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Maybe it's better if you click it. Um, Repay to the proud what they deserve, O Yahuwah. How long will shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? They are not going to be exalted forever, I'm telling you. This is going to end. Um, They crush your people, they afflict your heritage, they kill the widow, the sojourner, they murder the fatherless, and they say Yahuwah does not see. He doesn't see because he's either impersonal or he's blind. The God of Jacob does not perceive. He's not real. You know, they're saying he's not real. He's at best a figment of their imagination. Or, or he's an opiate of the people, as Marx would say. Understand, O dullest of people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who created the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nation, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge. Where does knowledge come from? It's a subset of the knowledge of God. All the knowledge we have comes from Him. Do you, you, you think He knows the thoughts of a man? Of man, of course, He knows they're but mere breath. He's saying here that God is not any less than His creation. The one who created the eye sees, the ear hears, the one who created the mind thinks. What knowledge man has reflects the, uh, and is a tiny subset of the knowledge that God has. The one who created life is alive. You bet. The one who created man to think and choose and act himself thinks and chooses and acts. The amazing claim of Christianity is the one who made it all has spoken. He's there. And he has actually spoken through the prophets and more recently, more completely, through his son. The invisible king of the universe entered that universe in the form of a person. Entered time and space for us and for our salvation. That is Amazing. That should like, whoa, are you kidding me? I mean, that, whew. We, we tend to, we, we've heard it so often, we, it just doesn't grab it. I mean, this is revolutionary, powerful stuff. But that is the claim of Christianity. Do you think that the first mind to ever exist was the human mind? Or does nature itself bear the imprint of an intelligent designer, an, an amazing mind, a person worthy of worship. Because we don't like something doesn't mean it's not real. Who likes death? 
I don't like it. Is it real? Yes, it is. Uh, hell is kind of like that. I don't like it either. You know, if it was up to me, probably hell wouldn't be there. But it's not up to me. That's the point of the sermon. You don't like God. You don't like a God who, instead of wiping us all out as we deserve, had great compassion on us in the predicament of our own making, became one of us, suffered with us even though he didn't deserve it, died a death he didn't deserve in order to rescue us. You don't like that God? I love that God. Do you realize uh, how arrogant this Mr. Potato Head stance is? Who are you? A tiny little speck of an organism in the vast universe who exists for maybe a hundred years, and you a vapor? These are all words that God uses to describe us, to put us in a, our place. Now, we're valuable to the Lord, but this, this sermon is about putting us in our place. A vapor, a mist, a flower a blade of grass, a breath, a passing shadow, a maggot, a worm, a grasshopper, a speck of dust. My favorite word, which is not really fully in the Bible, Yahoo. You, Mr. Arrogant Unbeliever, are going to tell Almighty God you don't approve of his behavior or the way he does things. Who are you, O man, to reply back to God? Who are you, O oh man, to reply back to God? A more appropriate posture we find in uh, Isaiah 64. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you. There's nobody else. Who acts for those who wait for him? You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you and your ways. Behold, you were angry, and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? That's a good question. That's a more appropriate question. We, we have all become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds, the best thing we, we can do, are like a polluted government. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you. For if you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our own iniquities, Without God, we're in trouble. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. This is the correct stance. This is right side up. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Yahuwah, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Please look, Lord, on this church. We are all your people. We need you. You, We can't create it. You're the potter, we're the clay. Romans 9. Probably not one of the favorite scriptures of my friend. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? Who can resist his will? Is that a good question? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I got the same question. How does Paul answer it? 
How does God answer it? He answers it with a question. And, and his purpose is much like in Job. He's putting him in his place. Who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Will the thing molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honored use and another for dishonored use? He says, Look it, I'm the potter, you're the clay. God God can do whatever He wants to do. He doesn't need our approval. So what if God, desiring to show His wrath and make known His power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? In order to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy, which He has prepared beforehand for glory, even us, thankfully. Now, if you've trusted in Christ and He's your only hope and you've just embraced Him, with everything you got, I mean, you are a vessel of mercy, and you're, you are destined for glory. Hallelujah. It's good news. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, that we would expect, but also, praise God, from the Gentiles. This is not to deny that there are things in this world we don't like. There are things in this world God doesn't like. It's called evil. The above passage says he endures them patiently, but their time will come. They will be destroyed. I had a lot of Job in here, but I had to pick, trim it way down. You guys are thinking, yeah, that's good. Glad you did that. But Job 40. This is what I want to say to my friend. This is Job's friend. Do you, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Who are you, anyhow, to answer back to God? C.S. Lewis uh, put it this way. The ancient man approached God, or even the gods, as the accused man approaches his judge. For the modern man, the roles are reversed. It's upside down. He, modern man, is the judge. God is in the dock. He, man, is quite a kindly judge. If, if God should reasonably def- give a reasonable defense for the God who uh, permits war, poverty, disease, he's ready to listen to it. The trial may even end in God's uh, acquittal. But the important thing is that man is on the bench and God is in the dock. That is upside down. God puts Job in his place says, if you don't know the answers to the above questions, and of course he says, where were you? Where were you when I made the worth? All that. If you don't know the answers to the above questions, who are you to criticize me or argue with me? Job was starting to get the picture in Job 40 when he says, behold, that means behold, I'm getting the picture here. I'm starting to understand. I am insignificant. What can I reply to thee? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken... And I will not answer. Even twice, I will add no more. You know, I, I'm, I'm shutting up. Uh, I've spoken presumptuously. I didn't know what I was talking about. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm learning my lesson here. Uh, 42, he says, Job answered the Lord, said, I know that thou canst do all things, that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Praise God. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? He's quoting God. And God says, who is this that's hiding counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared 
Job's now saying, I declared that which I didn't understand. Things too wonderful for me, they're over my head. My life is over my head. This, you know, it's, it's all over my head, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. What I said to my friend, what I say to you this morning, is what's amazing about the Christian story is not that some people are going to hell. What's amazing about it is we're not all going there, because we all deserve it. Uh, I don't know why God did not wipe out our whole rebellious race off the face of the earth and start fresh. But I also think the best, and this I said to him as well, the best answer to the problem of evil, and I don't have time to go into it all, for me the best answer is to look at Jesus. Um, See Jesus weeping when his friend Lazarus died. See him staying up into the wee hours of the morning, healing diseases, casting out demons, fighting the evil. I mean, he was just busy doing that. See, uh, in Jesus, God reveals he is not unsympathetic to our pain. He's very sympathetic to it. See how great a love the Father has that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we really are. See this wonderful God who pays the highest price to reverse the effects of the fall and bring something beautiful out of this whole mess and thus get great glory for himself. Look at the love of Almighty God that while we were yet sinners, Jesus would die. Yes, even for us. So we want to know our place before God, stay humble, realizing he's the potter, we're the clay. Acknowledge his existence and his knowledge and his power and his love. Put our hands over our mouth and uh, leave the mysteries to him. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and in him see the compassion of God for the suffering in the world and his willingness to take it on himself and to feel it and defeat it. Let us thank him, praise him, and worship him. And I have just by application, I have a couple more things to say. There are some great disconnects. There is a great disconnect between the unbelie- what the unbeliever says he believes and how he lives. Actually, thankfully. Thankfully, because if, he really, if people really lived out the, the, con- the full consequences of their worldview, it would be a very dark place. And some worldviews are better than others, and you, we can see it being, being worked out. Um, but before you reject Christianity, you ought to consider the alternative. What is the alternative? Uh, if there is no God, and life is a chance product of blind material forces, what purpose does human life have? It is just a chemical accident on a rock flying through the cold, empty reaches of space. Richard Dawkins, who's one of these new atheists, writes, There is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. 
Try living that out. William Provine, an evolutionary biologist at Cornell University. This is a good school. Agrees. If no God exists, he says, no ultimate foundations for ethics exist. No ultimate meaning in life exists. Free will is a purely human myth. The, the, the most honest philosophers, atheistic philosophers who out, who out, throughout history who have believed this and lived it, they lived it out consistently have wound up in a deep, dark depression and insanity. And I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of Nietzsche, thinking of uh, Hemingway. The most honest ones. I mean, the guy that said God is dead, yeah, he realized this. And it's, it's rough. In Isaiah, God points out the absurdity of the person who fashions his own God, yes. And then, so he's talking about the idolater and all that. And then he says, but who is blind but my servant? So it's not just the unbeliever that has a disconnect. We in the church... Do we have a disconnect? Uh, do we come to Jesus and make him into our image instead of allowing him to transform us into his image? Do we call Jesus Lord, which means master, and then treat his commands as a buffet, choosing the ones we like and ignoring the ones we don't like? Which ones we're going to obey, which ones we're not. Are we guilty of making potato head gods? At least practically, if not doctrinally. If someone were to look at your life, uh, would they get a clear picture of who Jesus is, or would it be a distortion? So Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, gives some pretty tough commands, like don't love your enemies, that's a tough one. Don't be anxious. Tough one for some of us. Uh, Then at the end he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the the winds blew, the floods came, beat on that house, and it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, not just hearing these words, it does it. Hearing, hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came. Same flood, same rain. Winds blew, beat against the house, it fell. Great was the fall of it. Now, there's a great disconnect in our lives between who Jesus is, God in the flesh, the ultimate authority and king of the universe. You think if we really believe that, we take seriously what he, say, what he says to us. But there's a disconnect. I recently had a young man uh, tell me he wanted to be a pastor, which is great, uh, and he's living with his girlfriend. So it's like a disconnect. Uh, but isn't it, a, isn't it all a matter of degree? Because aren't we all in the same boat? I mean, I'm in the same boat. I know Jesus is Lord. And the logical thing is for me to just go after it 100%. I don't. 
but I want to do better. This year, 2016. We try to live in two kingdoms at once in the world and in God's kingdom. We live our lives straddling these two kingdoms, not fully committing to the kingdom of God. Jesus warned us you can't serve two masters. And uh, James says uh, a double-minded man is unstable. Elijah asked the question, how long will you go limping between two opinions? We limp. Um, Then he gave a command. He said, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. So, you know, if this God isn't real, what are we doing here? Let's go home. Sleep in on Sundays. That's what he's saying. It's either real or it's not real. We want to deal, deal with reality. But if he is real, and he's more real than you and me, we're fools if we don't follow him with our whole hearts passionately. Follow him. Follow him because he's worthy, like Jim said. Follow him for your sake because he's benevolent. He knows what's best for you. He's telling you the good stuff. He's telling you how to experience blessing and happiness and joy. He made you. Obey him for the sake of your kids. and your, When you get to be mine, you start thinking of your grandkids. Follow him wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, for the sake of this body, because we're in this together. The storms of life come on all of us. The identical storms come on the house on the rock and the house on the sand. The house that stands is built on hearing Jesus and obeying him, obeying his commands. I've been working on a, a definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the perception of reality. I'm closing with this, really. We have to perceive reality. That's not easy to do nowadays. But we need a perception of reality. Who God really is, very important. Who we really are, that's what this sermon is about. And then our world. The world he's created and he's put us in. The material world, Joe is here. Thank you, brother, for preaching. Uh, yeah, as a physician, as a scientist, I deal with the material world. It's very important for me to ask God every day for wisdom to, 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 to not just deal with what I'm... You know, I can't create my own reality with my mind. I have to deal with the one that's confronting me in the patient, try to figure it out so I can help him. And then the relational world we're in, right? It's not just things out there. It's people. It's persons. And that's a tricky world. But we need to know the reality of that. And then actually, there's a, there's, there's a world of persons out there that aren't physical. I mean, we're talking principalities and powers. May God give us wisdom to understand these realities and how to deal with them, how to relate to them. And then it's not just the perception of realities that wisdom is. It's also the grace to live consistent with the with those realities which we perceive. Lord, may God give us wisdom to, to face reality, to face the reality of who God is, who we are, our world, and uh, the grace to live. This year, 2016, let's think about it. New year. Let's pray for wisdom.
Because Psalm 90 says, teach us to number our days. For what purpose? That we might present to God a heart of wisdom. The Lord, give us wisdom in 2016 so that we can believe this amazing story, knowing God, loving God, um, and living consistent with that knowledge so we can shine as light in this dark world. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Lord, we do just... uh, We acknowledge You are the potter. We are the clay. We We acknowledge we didn't create this universe. You did. We acknowledge that You... Uh, are the king over it all, and that we are very small. And yet we also have believed this amazing story that you care about us, and that even though you've sprung the, you spoke the stars into existence, yet you cared about us and our predicament enough to come and die. And so we're, we're amazed. And I pray that this, these truths, the reality of who you are, will um, penetrate our hearts, uh, that we would uh, not be hard to these truths, that we would not be those who have eyes but don't really see and ears that don't really hear. Lord, may we perceive the reality of who you are and may the perception of that reality change us. For Jesus' sake, amen.